On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we recap the Terps series win at home against the Rhode Island Rams. Plus, we take a look at their midweek win against George Mason and preview their huge upcoming road series against the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Zach Solon. Welcome into episode 75 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Zach Solon with you, and joining me is Ben Curtis. And Ben, we finally had some baseball at the Bob this weekend. And we certainly did. Four games in five days, and out of those four games, three wins for Maryland as well. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, when we talked about it on the broadcast uh, against George Mason, I thought of that Rhode Island series, and it was really three different games when you look at, one, the conditions, two, the offensive production, three, the pitching. It was really just the three most different baseball games you can really get across those three ways, but the Terps will take it, a series win, and they start off 2-1 and one at home that weekend, and then they get the midweek win against George Mason, so 3-1 and one at home overall, and they looked overall pretty solid. And it's good when you could win in a couple of different ways, especially at home, and as you said, really different ways that they got the wins in each of those three games. They got the shutout on Sunday, and then Tuesday, the game was broken wide open late, and Friday they were able to eke out a win as well. That's right. So the Terps got the series win over Rhode Island, a 9-3 win on Friday night when the game time temperature was 36 degrees, albeit sunny at first pitch. They actually moved it up from 4 o'clock to 3 o'clock so they could play with a little bit more of sun. And then Saturday and Sunday were actually pretty nice. On Saturday, the Terps did drop their first game of the season, 11-8 to Rhode Island, a back-and-forth contest, finally saw some home runs, and then Maryland got their first shutout victory of the season, 3-0 on Sunday, and they got the series win over the Rams. And then they had a midweek game on Tuesday against George Mason, kind of back and forth early, but the Terps blowing it open in the late innings, a 13-3 win there. Ben, what impressed you most out of this Terps team, especially over the weekend against Rhode Island? Maxwell Costas was absolutely fantastic. We said on the last podcast that he really needed to start to produce offensively, and you saw towards the back half of the weekend series, and then on Tuesday, again, he was just absolutely sensational. He's really starting to see the ball very well. I have to agree with you there, and also just the pitching. The trust in the starting pitching that Rob Vaughn and Corey Muscara have so far, letting Sean Fisher, a guy who had never started before this year, go out there against Rhode Island in the first home start, he was excellent. Nick Dean, a little rocky on Saturday, but still very solid, gave the Terps the outing that they were kind of looking for from someone who's still a freshman. And then you had Sean Burke on Sunday, who once again was magnificent and looked really, really good. And that's all you can really ask for is at this level of D1 college baseball is starting pitchers who can go deep and keep you in baseball games. And that's exactly what all three pitchers did over the weekend in Zach Thompson on Tuesday. Yeah, and then the Terps did have a midweek game against George Mason. At this point in the season, midweek games are important. Yes, George Mason was winless coming in, and they still are on the season. But the Terps were throwing Zach Thompson out there, and we'll get to him a little bit later. But they wanted him to build up his pitch count, get back to being that Saturday starter that he could be, so the Terps could continue to have weapons in their arsenal. Like we said, a very deep bullpen, a very talented bullpen, but they have to start working together, and I think we finally saw shades of that over the weekend. We did, and uh, bullpens were cobbled together in a couple of different ways over the course of the weekend obviously you're going to approach it differently when you're protecting a shutout as the Terps did on Sunday and Elliot Zollner was fantastic Connor Stain came in got the job done and Mark DeLuya picked up the save he only had to face one batter and he got him to strike out but when you have to cobble together different bullpens the way that Maryland did over the weekend it really helps when two of your three starters go into the seventh inning or deep into the sixth inning at least as the Terps did on Friday and Sunday. 
So let's give you a quick recap of the week that was for Maryland since you last heard us on the podcast. So the Terps started off their season down in Charleston, South Carolina. They got three games in three days, three different opponents, a win over Charleston Southern, a win over Iona, and they beat College of Charleston in 10 innings on that Sunday game. And then we had our last podcast, no midweek game last week for the Terps. This, they had their first one this week, still early in February, kind of hard to get those cold weather games in. But then they welcomed Rhode Island to the Bob for their first home series of the season. And it started off on Friday night, a 36-degree first pitch at 2.57 p.m. Sean Fisher on the mound for the Terps. Here's the highlights from that game so you can hear exactly what happened and how the Terps eked out the win. For the first time in 2020, we will have baseball at the Bob as the Maryland Terrapins get set to host the Rhode Island Rams in their home opener for the 2020 season. Coley, the Bloomfield, Connecticut native. The 2-2 pitch. In there for a called strike three. First one of the day for Sean Fisher. Sends the Rams down scoreless in the top of the second. Cherry in the stretch for the first time today. Deals the 1-2. It's lined to center field. A base hit. Justin Vogt is aboard. Costas moves over to second. Cherry pitching in a big spot. Here is the 3-1 delivery. It misses low. Gets away from Juliana. That's a walk issued to Aaron Perez. Costas scores. And the Terps are on the board first. It's 1-0. As the 1-0 to Zamarslak is driven out to center field. And it drops in for a base hit. Coming home is Flint. He will score. The Terps go station to station. It's an RBI single for Zamarslak. And a 2-0 lead for Maryland. Brings home the 0-2. In there, called third strike, and Sean Fisher has worked six innings of one-run baseball. Strands Vargas out at second base, and he got Ramirez with a fastball at the letters. The 2-0, line to left field, there's a base hit. Gardner will score easily, stopping at second is Flint. It's an RBI single for Bednar, and the Terps lead 6-1. Here's the first pitch as the runner goes to second. It's chopped to first, picked up there by Santos, who flips to the pitcher in time. But the run scores as Cowles comes in from third. And Perez had a good jump to break up the double play. So it's now 9-2 Maryland with two away. Labonte comes set. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Terps up 9-2. The pitch. In there for a called strike three. And the Terps win the Friday night game. So you heard there a 9-3 win for Maryland. But interestingly, Ben, the Terps, those nine runs on just four hits. Well, it was one of the stranger baseball games I think I've seen in a long time between the 12 walks and the seven hit-by-pitches. I'm sure we'll talk more about the hit-by-pitches a little bit later. But Maryland capitalized on the opportunities that Rhode Island gave you, and that's really all you can ask for is when those opportunities are presented, you make the most of it. And sometimes you're able to to really get wins and, and get runs in that fashion. That's right. So the game started off top of the first inning with a hit batter. Sean Fisher could not get Josh Brodeur out. He hit him on the side, and then he got first base, and then hit into a fielder's choice did Greg Cavalieri. Another fielder's choice from Jackson Coots, who was a very dangerous hitter throughout the weekend in the Rhode Island lineup. We saw that, and that brought up Xavier Vargas, and he got to, he flew out to end the top of the first. Sean Fisher got into a little bit of a jam, had some runners on, but got out of it, and that's exactly what the Terps like to see. And then the Terps went down in order 1-2-3 in the bottom of the first against Justin Cherry, and that's where Maryland kind of struggled. It's the first time through the order they only got one run. And obviously, a lot of baseball teams aren't going to score. But you want to attack starters, especially on a weekend series. Now, Cherry did eventually leave the game with in injury. We don't have an update on him. But, of course, for Rhode Island, not something you want to see. So then the game continued on. Fisher faced the minimum in the top of the second. Bottom of the second, Maxwell Costas was hit by a pitch to lead it off. And then Justin Vote singled to move him over. Bobby Zamarslak grounded out. Ben Cowles hit by a pitch. 
And then a little later on, Aaron Perez walked with the bases loaded, his first career RBI, and the Terps were on the board one to nothing. Well, that's not exactly how you dream up your first career RBI, but it got the job done just the same, and that's Maryland being able to play small ball and score in a couple of different ways. You're not always going to get Maxwell Costas to hit a long home run. Fish worked another top uh, scoreless top of the third inning. Then bottom of the third, the Terps put up a bit of a crooked number. So it led off with Tucker Flint. He walked. Like we said, a lot of free passes issued in this game. Randy Bednar flew out. Maxwell Costas with a walk. Justin Vogt was hit by a pitch. That loaded the bases. Bobby Zamarzlak with an RBI single. Ben Cowles hit by a pitch to force in a run. Tommy Gardner with an RBI ground out. And after three, it was 4 nothing Terps. Maryland did leave two runners on base in that frame, though. And if you want to nitpick, about this Friday night game, the Terps left 14 runners on base. That's a number that Rob Vaughn is going to want to see go considerably down. Exactly. It was a very cold weather game, and pitchers were not really hitting their spots, except Sean Fisher. He was solid, a 1-2-3 top of the fourth. Terps scoreless in the bottom of the fourth. The next run wasn't scored until the bottom of the fifth when the Terps got another one, a run coming in, Ben Cowles scoring on an E6 that Chris Aline reached on. So you continue on. Maryland is leading... After the fifth, Sean Fisher did allow one run on an RBI single off the bat of Josh Brodeur, but Rhode Island really not much much going against Fisher. He goes six and a third, allowing five hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. And Ben, I got to say, he looked really, really impressive. And going deep was really important for the rest of the weekend as well with the chaos of Saturday's game, and we'll get to that later. But he was very impressive, and on that cold day as well, it's a lot more difficult, as you mentioned, to hit your spots. But six and a third inning, only one walk, which I think might be the most notable number from that line. He gives up the five hits, but he was able to limit damage and only give up the one run, and the offense backed him up as well with good run support. That's right. So a combined, like we said, 19 free passes issued by this Rhode Island team. Seven hit batters. The Terps led the nation in hit batters after the weekend. Everyone is all right, though. Should update with that. But when you look at this game, a 9-3 victory for the Terps as they continued to pile on more runs in the seventh. They got three and then one more in the eighth. And Rhode Island not getting anything going. Sam Bellow was good in relief again. He goes in in two-thirds. One hit, one run, one walk, one K. And Trevor Labonte came on for the ninth. One inning, one hit, one run, one walk, one strikeout. He looked really good as well. Kind of, I don't want to say an audition for the closer role because it wasn't a save situation, but that was Labonte's second appearance on the season. At the time, you know, that, the only time we had seen him was in the ninth or tenth inning. Oh, it's definitely an audition for that ninth inning roll, whatever it may be, whether it's a save situation or not, you want someone who can get that 27th out, and Labonte's already showed a couple of times that he can. By the way, Maryland still leads the nation in hit-by-pitches after Tuesday's game. They have a four-hit-by-pitch advantage on University of South Carolina upstate with a game in hand as well. Wow. I mean, the Terps, they've been, they've been taking their beating, I guess as you could say, but in a right way, I don't think any of these hit-batters have been intentionally hit. It's almost four hit-by-pitches per game, though. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. So Maryland after Friday sat at three or sorry, four and zero on the season. They were going to get their best start or looking to get their best start of the twenty first century, but they fell short against Rhode Island on Saturday in the middle game of the three game set. It was kind of a game that was back and forth on offense and the Terps fell just short. Well, Jackson Coots and Xavier Vargas were really the big reason why it combined eight RBIs between the number three and four hitters in the Rhode Island order and we talked about on Friday when Maryland was presented with opportunities they capitalized on them but on Saturday it was Rhode Island who had the chances to put up big numbers and big crooked numbers in specific innings and they were able to do so. That's right so here's the highlight from the second game of the three game series. 
a gorgeous day for baseball in College Park as the undefeated Maryland Terrapins welcome back to town the Rhode Island Rams for the second of a three-game set. The 1-1 hammered in the air to left center field, going back is Schreffler and Ali. Schreffler leaps up, and it's gone. Second home run of the season for Jackson Coots that left the ballpark in a hurry, and Rhode Island leads it 1-0. The 1-0 to him here, right back up the middle and into center field for a base hit. Sends it right back where it came from. Aline scores, and we're right back to even at 1-1. Hits that one into shallow center field. Coming in, Aline, did he make a diving catch? You bet he did. Chris Aline with a great first step, laying out, and there's one gone here in the top half of the second inning. The 2-2 from Robinson. Hit in the air to center field, going back is White, still back onto the warning track, and that ball is gone. First home run of the season for Ben Cowles. He hit it over the big batter's eye in dead center field. Hit down the right field line, hooking foul. will stay fair, though, and go into the corner. One run will score. Two runs will score. Austin White will be held at third base, but it's a two-run double for Jackson Coots, and the Rams take the lead right back 3-2. The 2-1 to Vargas, rocked in the air to right field, going back is Randy Bednar, and he will watch it sail over the fence. Ruffler at third base, the Terps threatening again. Another bunt, this time a suicide squeeze, and it works, the run scores, and he's safe at first base after the throw from the third baseman. The 1-1 is lined right at Maxwell Costas as he makes the catch, and his sunglasses fall off of his head. And this one smacked by Shahidi deep into center field, and it's off the batter's eye. The run scores. Shahidi rounds first to second base, and another stand-up double for the Terps in this inning. Shahidi is fired up on second base. The 0-1, and it's smacked from Shruffler high into left center field, carrying well, and it's well out of here. The Terps take the lead, 7-6, a two-run blast for Troy Shreffler. His first career home run as a Terrapin. Now here's the pitch. Crushed into right field deep, and it's off the top of the fence. Incoming to score is Coley. He touches home safely, and a stand-up double for Joe Fortin ties the game up at seven. The 2-2. In there, a called strike three on a fastball. Lasky does not like the call, and that ends the inning. Ramsey gets out of it with three strikeouts. This time he lines one into center field, high and deep, back at the trap, leaping. Did he make the catch? No, he did not. It's gone. Austin Chavis blasts a home run, and Maryland has the lead back. His first career home run as a Maryland Terrapin. That one's hitting the air to left field. On a dart, and Schreffler has trouble with it in left. Two runs are going to score as Schreffler couldn't make the play, pulling into second base is Mark Coley, and the Rams have the lead nine to eight. Rocks this one in the air to right center field. Going back is Aline. He looks up and it's gone. An early dagger from Xavier Vargas, his second home run of the day, and some insurance for the Rhode Island Rams. Hit out towards the second baseman. That is Fort. He bobbles it initially, still throws over to first base in time, and Rhode Island escapes with the 11 to eight win.
So you heard there a back-and-forth game. The long ball finally coming into play at the Bob. And in the first Terps game this season, Ben Cowles with a big fly. Austin Chavis had one. The Terps looking really, really good, but Rhode Island matching them. Xavier Vargas, five RBIs. And, Ben, this game was pretty back-and-forth until the end. It definitely was. A lot of different lead changes, and we'll take you through it. In the top of the first inning, Rhode Island got out to the early advantage with a solo home run from Jackson Coots. It was not the only long ball of the day, though, as you heard there in those highlights. Maryland got the run back, though, in the bottom of the first inning. Maxwell Costas with an RBI single to score Chris Aline. Nothing doing for Rhode Island in the top of the second inning. A really good bounce back inning from Nick Dean. In the bottom of the second inning, Ben Cowles got that long home run over the center field batter's eye in the bottom of the second inning. The Terps took the lead 2-1. to one. The problem inning, though, for the Terps was in that top of the third inning. Rhode Island put up a five-spot. Lasky got a walk. Josh Brodeur reached on an error. Austin White walked, and the bases were loaded. Then Jackson Coots had a double down the line to score a pair of runs, and then Xavier Vargas with a three-run homer to make it 6-2 to two in favor of the Rams. Dean got out of the rest of the inning, but the damage was certainly done. In the bottom of the third inning, Randy Bednar was hit by a pitch, but that was the only base runner, and a third of the game is done. And the Terps down 6-2. to two. They did battle back, though. Top of the fourth inning, Rhode Island went down in order, and in the bottom of the fourth, the Terps tacked on two runs. Tavin Shahidi got a walk. Troy Schreffler was hit by a pitch. Ben Cowles with a sacrifice bunt to move two runners into scoring position. Matt Orlando got a sacrifice ground out. He got an RBI to make it 6-3. to three. Then Austin Chavis singled home. Troy Schreffler to make it 6-4 to four after 4. And as you mentioned, there are already a lot of runs, 10 in the first four innings. And something you brought up there, a couple of names you mentioned. Saturday, we saw a bit of a different Terps lineup. Tavin Shahidi got his first start of the season. Not often you see Justin Vogt getting a rest, but early in the season, he had also been plunked by a couple of pitches on Friday night. So Rob Vaughn giving him the day off the day game after a night game. Also saw Matt Orlando with some action, had an RBI. So that was what really interested me. And as the game continued on, those guys continued to uh, make an impact. Yeah, and certainly, especially in the bottom half of the lineup of the last five guys in the Maryland order four did not play the day prior it will continue on in the game top of the fifth inning Rhode Island didn't get anything going and in the bottom of the fifth Maryland retook the lead a three-run effort including a double from Tavid Jahidi and Troy Schreffler picking up his first homer of the season a two-run blast to give Maryland the lead right back Rhode Island would tie it in the top of the sixth inning, and we just went back and forth all games at. Absolutely, and this is kind of, like I said, a completely different game from Friday night. Maryland got the win. They had nine runs on four hits. Rhode Island had three runs on, on I believe, five hits, and you look at the offense, it finally came alive. I talked to some of the players in the dugout before Sunday's game, and what they said was that they were finally excited to be playing in some warm weather. The wind wasn't really too much of a factor during the Saturday afternoon game. It was a 2 o'clock start at the Bob. Not a cloud in the sky, so a beautiful day for baseball. And, uh, you know, the players put their best foot forward, finally got their uh, offenses going. Heading into the seventh inning, Maryland had the 8-7 to seven lead, but a error out in left field from Troy Schreffler Jr., off the bat of Mark Coley, scored two for Rhode Island, and they never looked back. That got, that gave Rhode Island the lead 9-8, to eight, and then the two-run shot from Xavier Vargas in the ninth really sealed the deal, and Rhode Island picked up the win over Maryland, the first loss of the year for the Terps. Yeah, and obviously you're not going to win every game on the season. Every player will admit that. Now, of course, they go out there and they try to win every one. The Terps actually swept their home opening series last year against Maine, so maybe they came out with the same energy against a New England team, wanting to beat Rhode Island, get all three games, boost that record up to 6-0 and after two weeks. It would have been really big for Rob Vaughn's squad, especially when RPI becomes a factor. Granted, Rhode Island out of the A-10, which is a good conference, the Rams, not the 
the best team in that conference, but Maryland's certainly looking to build momentum. Now, they didn't get it on Saturday, but you look at the Terps, and they had a solid day. Nick Dean was all right on the mound. Ryan Ramsey, good in relief. And then Sean Hine, who we saw come in to relieve in that game. The Terps kind of went with a similar pattern. So when you go there, you have to look at this Maryland bullpen depth again. You had Nick Dean, a freshman, getting the start. You can't expect him to be lights out every time he comes on the mound just yet. So when you have a set plan of who's going to come on or relieve him, you can kind of plan deeper in the game. Now, the Terps did that. They had their offense. A lot of times you score eight runs this early in the season with this kind of weather, you're going to win the game, but Rhode Island was just too much on Saturday. And it seemed as if Jackson Coots and Xavier Vargas just would not be denied on Saturday. They combined for six for nine with eight RBIs, and that's going to win you a whole lot of ball games. Absolutely, and that middle of the order was really, really dangerous for Rhode Island. Now, we knew that coming in, but when you look at how the Terps hitters kind of had them scouted, Coots and Vargas on Saturday and on Sunday, or on Friday and on Sunday, excuse me, were really not that productive. Now, Coots had a couple of opportunities with men on base, Vargas as well. Obviously, they hit right behind each other in the order, but the Terps pretty much able to shut them down except for Saturday. But like I said, the games, and, and I got to say, the weather was definitely a factor this oh, weekend. 100%. You had a freezing cold night on Friday. The game got moved up, but still went about three and a half hours. And then on Saturday, a back and forth game, the players certainly much more excited out to be out there playing with a lot more energy. And honestly, when you've got players who are excited to play, anything could happen. And Rhode Island happened to get the win in that one. And the wind was certainly a factor on Saturday, I think more than on Friday. On Friday, we talked about the cold, but Saturday, the wind was swirling all over the mob. We've talked about it's interesting positioning on Stamp Hill on the campus of the University of Maryland. And between the wind and having to look over the sunset as the shadows were a huge part of Saturday's game as well can really make things a bit funkier than the average game I think you see there with the 19 combined runs. Exactly. So the Terps continued on and they finally got the long ball going on Saturday as well. Ben Cowles with a big fly and I actually wasn't at the ballpark for that one Ben. So you want to tell me a little bit about where that ball landed? That ball landed over the center field batter's eye in dead center field maybe a tick to the right of dead center but it was an absolute bomb from uh, from Ben Cowles, I thought that initially it was going to go off of the batter's eye just because it is so far extended over the rest of the wall, but he cleared it with plenty of room to spare. So the Terps got the loss 11-8 to on Saturday. That gave us a rubber game on Sunday. Now in 2019, the Terps were 3-4 and four in rubber games, including 0-2 in rubber games at home, those both coming in conference play against Indiana and Ohio State. But here against the non-conference opponent in Rhode Island, the Terps put the freshman Sean Burke on the mound with a chance to get the series win at home to start your home slate, and Burke shined. Here's the highlights. After their first loss of the season yesterday, the Maryland Terrapins baseball team is back in action here at the Bob for the rubber game of a three-game set against the Rhode Island Rams. Burke sets, kicks, the one-two as the runner goes. It's caught on a miss, strike him out, throw to second. They threw him out, a strike him out, throw him out, double play to end the first. A great throw from Justin Vogt. The one-one is lined out to center field. Going back white, and it's over his head, and it'll roll to the wall. Aline rounding first, he's headed to second. Here's the throw, Aline is safe, and he's in there with a leadoff double. The one-two is grounded softly to first, picked up there by Vargas, who flips to first in time, but Aline scores. It's an RBI ground out for Tucker Flint, and the Terps are on the board first. It's one to nothing. Burke kicks, the payoff pitch, caught on and missed. Tipped into the minute, Justin Vogt. No Sixth strike out of the afternoon for Sean Burke, and he works out of the jam in the top of the third. Absolutely, the 2-2 is hit hard out to center field, drifting back is white at the track, at the wall, and that ball is gone. The first one of the season for Maxwell Costas, and the Terps lead 2-0. Burke facing a lot of lefties in this Rhode Island lineup. The first four hitters are all left-handed. Swung on a miss, strike three. 
Burke sets down the first two batters of the inning with back-to-back -back strikeouts, and now there's two down in the top of the fourth. How about that eight strikeouts already for Burke? Stains one-two pitch. Driven out to left field, hooking towards the line, Flint drifting over, he's under it and makes the catch. Another scoreless inning for Connor Stain. First pitch to Maxwell is driven deep to left field, going back Brodeur, and that ball is long gone over the shell. Maxwell Costas has his second of the day, and it's 3-0 Maryland. Wow, that one was way back there. Deluya sets again in the stretch. The 3-2 pitch, caught on a missed strike three, and the Terps win the series. No runs, one hit. No errors. A 3-0 win over Rhode Island. Final and the Terps the start the season 2-1 at home. So you heard there the Terps with their first shutout victory of the season. And Sean Burke, absolutely phenomenal. He worked a or faced the minimum in the top of the first inning. Jackson Coots struck out to end that inning, but then a strike him out, throw him out, double play on an excellent throw from Justin Vogt. And the Terps came back in the bottom of the first and got right on the board. Chris Alleen with a leadoff double. He Really had a good opening weekend and then struggled in the beginning of the series against Rhode Island, but came alive on Sunday. He went two for three. So Allen with a leadoff double. Tucker Flint with an RBI uh, ground out. That on the sacrifice got Allen to score, and it was one nothing Terps after one. Sean Burke works a one two three second. The Terps go down scoreless in the second. Moving on to the third inning, Sean Burke allows a couple of base runners, but strikes out the side. So he already has six strikeouts through three innings, and he was looking really, really good. Well, that's exactly what you want to see from a Sunday starter, somebody who can go a little bit deeper into the game. You went five and two-thirds, eventually at eight strikeouts on the day as well. So then in the bottom of the third, the Terps come up looking to extend upon their lead. Tucker Flint and Randy Bednar both flew out to left, but then Maxwell Costas comes to the plate. Now, Costas on Friday night, we should mention, came to the plate five times, did not record an official at-bat. He was hit by two pitches, and he walked three times with two runs scored. Did finally have uh, some at-bats recorded on Saturday, but then on Sunday, singled his first time up, and then his second time up hit a home run to left center field, his first one of the season, putting the Terps up 2 nothing. You could tell when he was running around the bases, he was finally happy to have his first one off his shoulders, and then later in the game he did something else, but we'll get to that in a second. Sean Burke comes back out for the fourth, works a 1-2-3 inning with another two strikeouts. That was eight on the day. And then the Terps went down scoreless in the bottom half, going down in order 1-2-3 against Vitaly Jangles, who was pretty solid overall. He goes four and two-thirds, seven hits, two runs, no walks, four strikeouts. And then we went to the fifth inning. Sean Burke still out on the mound for the Terps. He allows a couple of base runners, but gets, but gets Tino Salgado to, into an inning-ending 5-3 double play and a nice play from Tommy Gardner, the Terps' third baseman. Then Maryland went down scoreless again in the fifth against two pitchers, Sean Spasado coming on to relieve Jangles. He would finish the game. So then Sean Burke comes back out in the sixth. He gets Josh Brodeur to ground out, gives up a single to Austin White, and then another single to Jackson Coots. So his pitch count's getting up there, might think the leash is a little tight here. Now he gets Xavier Vargas to fly out, but before facing Mark Coley, Rob Vaughn again wants his pitcher to go out on a high note, and he pulls uh, Sean Burke out of the game after five and two-thirds with two outs. Well, that's becoming a theme for Rob Vaughn is wanting pitchers to leave on the high note with a little bit of confidence heading in to their next start. He also threw 94 pitches, so it wasn't as if this was uh, anything more than a tactical decision for Sean Burke. It was time for him to come out of the ball game with Rhode Island starting to see the ball a little bit better the second in time, th second in time, second and third while wow, times <laughs> through the order. 
So Mark Coley was coming to the plate. That brought out the senior, Elliot Zollner, one of two seniors on the Terps roster. And the fuzz got Mark Coley to fly out to center field to end the sixth inning. That would be the only batter Zollner faced, the Terps wanting to save him. He did see a lot of action in the midweek and expect to see him a lot this weekend, maybe in two games against Coastal Carolina. So the Terps wanting to save his arm, but he's been looking really good so far as well. He was fantastic on Tuesday. Uh, gave the Terps a lot of innings that were really important. Stretching from the starter role to the closing role is going to be a really important piece for Maryland's bullpen. So then Rhode Island held down scoreless in the 7th and 8th by Connor Stain. Overall, he went 2 and 2 thirds, 2 hits, no runs, 1 walk, 2 strikeouts. It was his second appearance of the year, first one at home. He looked really impressive as well. This Terps bullpen depth, especially from the freshman, really good so far. Stain could not get the final out of the game. Mark DeLuya came on after Stain had issued a single and a walk with 2 outs. So you go to DeLuya, someone you trust, and he strikes out Thomas Summers to end the game. But the Terps actually won 3 nothing in that game, and that's because in the bottom of the 8th inning, Maxwell Costas came up. He was two for three on the day already with that home run like we mentioned, and he hit one of the furthest balls I've ever seen hit to left field at the Bob to that point. He hit one over the shell in left field, the shell being that kind of oval-shaped uh, batting cage area beyond the left field fence, and Costas pretty much almost cleared that. Well, I'll text you on Saturday when you're down in South Carolina and the ball finally lands, and maybe you can let the <laughs> NBN listeners know on Saturday because that ball was absolutely demolished. Absolutely. So then the Terps won the game. It was 3 nothing In that game, they only left six runners on base, so a positive for them. And then they had Monday off. Want to take a breather after the long weekend series. Three different weathers at first pitches. So you had 36 and sunny on Friday, 53 and sunny on Saturday, 55 and sunny on Sunday. And that 1 o'clock start, very, very pleasant at the Bob, if I must say. But when you look at the weekend, I got to say, Ben, I am a little under the weather myself being outside for all those times. But the players on the field, they were troopers. And the Terps able to get the series win out of it. Uh, that Friday game will hopefully be the coldest game of the season that Maryland has to play. And the conditions were certainly a factor. It was 36 degrees yep. at first pitch. So then the Terps had Monday off, like I said. And then they had their first midweek game of the season against a team from Fairfax, only 45 minutes away. The George Mason Patriots coming to town for the first midweek tilt of both of their seasons. George Mason coming in was 0-5. Maryland now 5-1. and And it was kind of back and forth at the beginning. The Terps did lead 2-0 after 3. But then a couple of back and forth battles. We were tied after the top of the 6th. But then the Terps blew it open en route to a 10-run victory. Here's the highlights. After a home series win last weekend, the Maryland Terrapins baseball team is back in action for their first midweek matchup of the season today against the George Mason Patriots. 0-1 is driven out to left field pretty deep. The long shot going back. He's going to watch it fly. Another home run for Maxwell Costas, his third of the season. He continues his hot hitting, and the Terps lead 1-0. And it's ripped into center field. That ball is deep, and that ball is going to go. A two-run shot to tie this game up. The 3-2, cut on and missed. Back-to-back-to-back strikeouts for Elliott Zollner. 2-0 gets away from Manderson. Here comes Gardner. He will score as Manderson could not find it. And the Terps extend their lead at 6-3. Infield at normal depth for Randy Bednar. 2-0 pitch is driven out to left field. That one is way back there, and that one is long gone. Wow, what a shot from Randy Bednar. His first home run of the season. A two-run blast, and the Terps are up 8-3. to three. Here's Justin Vogt. The 0-2 is grounded hard to third. Diving stop made there by Leitonham, who tries to tag Maxwell Costas. Couldn't reach him, and it's runners on the corners. Sykes sets, ready for the payoff pitch to Aline. 
It's hit right back up the middle through into center field for a base hit. Gardner scores. It's an RBI single for Chris Aline, and the Terps are in double digits. They lead 10 to 3. And now a 3 2. Driven in the air to left. DeLongchamp is under it. And he will make the catch. Tagging from third is Bednar. The throw is cut off. He'll score easily. And the Terps lead 13 to 3. There's an RBI for Michael Boma in his Terps debut. Barrett, as that pitch is popped up, left field line. This could do it. Flint giving chase over near the line, makes the catch in foul territory. And the Terps secure a 13 to 3 victory over George Mason here in their first midweek game of the season. So George Mason comes in and back and forth through the first six innings, but the Terps blowing it open in the late innings. Randy Bednar with a big fly, Maxwell Costas with a home run as well, but the Terps getting pretty much all their other runs on. Hit batsmen, a lot of walks, pretty ugly game, I got to say, Ben. 14 walks and four hit-by-pitches in that one for the George Mason pitching staff. That was eight different pitchers, or seven different pitchers, should I say, for the Patriots, and it really did become ugly after he got into the seventh inning with three runs for the Terps and five runs in the eighth. I will say, though, Zach Thompson looked very impressive. Now, we talked about it at the top of the podcast, but Juice got the start, and last year he was Maryland's Saturday guy in 2019 in 14 games. He went 3-6 and six with a 508 ERA in 83 and a 30, struck out 63, had a really good end of the season last year, did not pitch in the Big Ten tournament, and then you didn't see him back in the weekend starting rotation this year. Rob Vaughn going with two freshmen Saturday and Sunday, and Nick Dean and Sean Burke. So Thompson getting the start in the midweek. And in midweek games is somewhere where last year Maryland never really had a set starter. It would pretty much be bullpen games all the time, which is what midweek games uh, you know, become, and that's unfortunate depending on your opinion of the opener being used, and not only in college baseball, but around the baseball world. But Zach Thompson... He, they were giving him a pitch count about 70 to 80 yesterday, and in the top of the first inning, he sent George Mason down scoreless. In fact, he didn't allow any runs until the fourth when he gave up a RBI single to Bailey Klein, and in that time, Maryland already re led 2-0 because Maxwell Costas in his first at-bat in the second inning homered off of Nate Young also to deep left field, and not as deep as his second home run on Sunday, but Costas picking up right where he left off, now has three home runs on the season, and then an RBI single from Randy Bednar in the third. So after three, it was 2 nothing Terps, and Thompson looking really good. He did, and he had trouble in the fourth, and he gave up the one run in that frame, but he also wiggled out of what could have been a lot more damage in that top of the fourth, and he left the bases loaded with a strikeout of Corey Ledenham, and he did a good job of avoiding the trouble the rest of the way. Exactly. So Thompson's final line, he goes five innings, allowing four hits, one run, one earned, one walk, and two strikeouts. And then he came out of the game to start the sixth inning, and Trevor Labonte came in, and we talked about Labonte's success so far. But in the sixth, he actually gave George Mason the opportunity to tie it, and they did. He walked Lyle Miller-Green to start that inning and then gave up a two-run home run to right center to Scott Morgan, and just like that, it was 3-3. And that was a bit of a shock to the system in that top of the sixth inning because, yes, Maryland was only up by two, but it seemed as if they had had the momentum. They had rallied a couple of different innings and left a lot of guys on base. They left 15 runners on base in total, and then all of a sudden, a walk and one swing, and the game was tied. Exactly. So Trevor Labonte goes just two-thirds, allows the one home run, two earned runs, two walks, and no strikeouts. And that brought in Elliot Zollner. And much like he did on Sunday, he got the one batter he needed to face out. That was Corey Leidenham. Got him to strike out looking. And then Zollner actually got some more distance, but not before the Terps tacked on two more runs in the sixth. So now we move on to the seventh, and Zollner works a 1-2-3 inning with another two strikeouts. And then the fuzz you saw getting stretched here a little bit. The fog was starting to roll in at the Bob. It was getting late on Dollar Dog Night. So the crowd was... Uh, Getting a little antsy, but Zollner 
calming them there, but then the Terps putting up a three spot in the seventh, including a two-run home run off the bat of Randy Bednar that also, Ben, much like Maxwell Costas, was an absolute moonshot. And that kind of broke the game open. I made it 8-3 to three at the time, and the way that Elliot Zollner was pitching, he faced seven batters and retired all of them. That kind of put an end to that game. So Zollner's final line, he goes two and a third, no hits, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. Very impressive stuff from the Terps senior, and the Terps continue to tack it on in the eighth, sending ten batters to the plate. And here's how the eighth inning went down. Ben Cowles walks. Tommy Gardner hit by a pitch. Austin Chavis strikes out swinging. Chris Aline singles to load the bases. Tucker Flint, he walks. I'm sorry, uh, Ben Cowles came in to score there when Austin Chavis struck out and the ball got away from the catcher, Jake Manderson. So Chris Aline singles, and then Tucker Flint comes up. He walks. Randy Bednar walks. And then Maxwell Costas gets hit by a pitch to force in a run. Justin Vogt walks to force in a run. Michael Boma makes his Terps debut. He flies out to left, and that's a sack fly as Randy Bednar tags. Ben Callis comes back to the plate and flies out. So an eighth inning that took well over half an hour. The Terps tacking on another five runs in that inning, and they led 13-3 to by the end of it. Three different pitchers in the bottom of the eighth inning. George Mason had to send to the hill and what was in real time as you mentioned, a really, really long bottom of the eighth inning. So then Zach Thompson got the win in that contest. Or excuse me, Elliot Zollner got the win in the contest. Mark DeLuya came on for the ninth, much like he did, also getting a little bit of an audition for the ninth inning role. Of course, the Terps were up by 10, not a save situation, but he gets two strikeouts, did give up two hits, but he leads the Terps to victory, and they are now 6-1 and one on the season. And with the big series coming up against Coastal Carolina, that's the kind of momentum you want heading into the weekend. A midweek game where the early part of the game, yes, they struggled. It was tied after the top of the sixth inning, but really opening it up towards the end. So we mentioned in that game, Elliot Zollner went two and a third, no hits and four strikeouts. The senior sidewinding reliever has really been an important part of this Terps bullpen and also just their overall leadership in the clubhouse. So now, Ben, let's take a look at this upcoming weekend for the Terps. For the second time this season, they will be heading down to the Palmetto State of South Carolina, about an hour north of Charleston where they were to open the year, but now they'll be down in Conway, staying in Myrtle Beach. They're about 10, 15 minutes apart from each other, taking on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, the 2016 national champions, obviously their claim to fame, but over the past couple of years, a common opponent for the Terps. And Coastal Carolina really challenging themselves early on in the season, a lot of different Power 5 opponents, and Maryland will head down for all three games. So this Coastal Carolina team is just 4-3 and three on the year in the early going. They hosted the Britain Resorts Baseball at the Beach Invitational to start the year. They won their first game 12-4 over UNC Greensboro. And then in what I would say is a weird move, San Diego State decided to open their season on the East Coast, and they lost the Saturday slate 1-3 to three to Coastal. And that Sunday game against Virginia Tech was canceled due to weather. And then they had two midweek games last week against UNC Wilmington. One of them postponed due to weather, but then they did at Springsbrook Stadium host uh, UNC Wilmington. They got the win 4-3. to three. Then this past weekend, in another tournament hosted at Coastal, the one that the Terps partook in last year, they uh, were defeated by St. Joe's 4-2. to two. 
but then they also lost to Illinois on Saturday, 5-2, played a doubleheader on Sunday, won both games, 13-5 over Kenesaw State and 14-2 over West Virginia. So certainly so far, Gary Gilmore's squad having an up-and-down year. They're 4-3, but got the two games on Sunday. Their midweek game against College of Charleston this week was canceled due to weather. So they'll be coming in fresh against Maryland after a full week off, and we could see a lot of different things, but on the Maryland side, got to look to the starters to really attack these coastal hitters. Absolutely, and I begin with the Friday night starter. If Sean Fisher heads back out to the mound once again, he's got to go as deep as he has gone at any point in time early on this season because the bullpen is going to come into play more so this weekend, I think, than it did against Rhode Island. I have to agree with you there. So you look at this Coastal Carolina team, and on the offensive side, Scott McKeon leads all hitters with 11 hits in 28 at-bats. You also have B.T. Ripanel and Cooper Weiss, who have been also very impressive getting it done with the bat. A lot of players who can really attack from all over the plate, and out of all their starters, it's McKeon leading with a 393 average. Personally, I think it's still a little too early in the season to talk about batting average. I like to wait till about the 30 at bat, 30 plate appearance mark. And on the season, though, Coastal Carolina, not really a lot of big flies. Two for BT Raypel, like I said, and then Hyde Morgan, or Morgan Hyde, excuse me, with just one more, so that's about it. And that's... um. You know, kind of interesting to see from a Coastal Carolina team that over the past couple of years has been so solid. Overall, they've got 17 NCAA tournament appearances, and Gary Gilmore really likes what he can get out of his squad, but not off to a hot start this year as, uh, as the statistics and the schedule will show you. Yeah, but when you score 27 runs over the course of a doubleheader in the last games that you've played, you've certainly got momentum offensively, and Maryland's going to have to try to curb that. So last year in the one meeting between the Terps and Chanticleers, one of the best mascot names uh, 80 grade name, in all of sure. baseball, if, if we're going to be honest, uh, in that game, Maryland fell 7-2. to It was the second game of the year for both teams, part of the Britain Resorts Invitational at Springsbrook Stadium. In that game for the Terps, they salvaged just four hits, and they, were sh uh, they lost 7-2, to the two RBIs coming from Randy Bednar. And then also with a couple of hits, Maxwell Costas had one, Michael Panero had one, and Sebastian Holtimansera actually got a hit for the Terps in that game. Zach Thompson started for the Terps in that contest, and he went three and two-thirds, allowing nine hits, five earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Anthony Veneziano started for Coastal Carolina. He went five scoreless innings, allowing three hits. The Terps did their damage against David Inman, and we'll see how they stack up against Coastal, of course, this weekend. On the pitching statistical side for Coastal Carolina so far this year, we'll get you their numbers. And, Ben, when you look at it, Maryland is really going to have to rely on their offense to get going as well. Not a lot of long balls so far on the road this season. In fact, none at all. And you're going to look for guys like Maxwell Costas, Randy Bednar, to be that deadly 3-4 punch that they can be. Well, they certainly were over this past weekend and on the Tuesday game against George Mason in addition. And when you're playing top opponents like this Coastal Carolina team, one of the big names on this out-of-conference roster, your biggest playmakers have to make your biggest plays, and that will fall on the shoulders of Costas and Bednar. I definitely agree with you on that one. So we mentioned Gary Gilmore is the head coach for the Chanticleers. This will be another series in the past couple of years to take place between the Terps and Chanticleers. Overall, Coastal Carolina has the series by a 
uh, margin of nine games to four, including the one nothing win last year. Now, Griffin Holcomb, or excuse me, Trey Poozer was scheduled to start for Coastal Carolina against College of Charleston this week. Now, that start didn't happen, but you look at the weekend starters last year for Co- or last week for Coastal Carolina, you had Zach McCamley, Scott Coobs, and Nick Parker, who will probably be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday that you see this weekend going up against the Terps that have Sean Fisher Friday, Nick Dean Saturday, and Sean Burke on Sunday. And good to see Nick Dean getting another Saturday start after Zach Thompson got the start on Tuesday. It wasn't the best of starts for Nick Dean, but a lot of confidence for Rob Vaughn in the freshman saying, hey, Go out there, have a bounce-back outing against a really strong club. So that will be this weekend. The Terps will take on the Chanticleers, scheduled for a 4 o'clock start time on Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Of course, you can hear every game on Mixler.com backslash Maryland-Baseball-Network. That's the Maryland Baseball Network. I'll be down there with our new media relations assistant, Hunter Dortenzo, excited to hop on the color commentary with me. Uh, ben, I'll certainly miss you down there, but I think it should be a fun time. Oh, Hunter's great, and we'll have a fantastic time down there in South Carolina. I will miss you as well, though, <laughs> A busy weekend, though, up here for Maryland sports. The men's basketball team will be hosting college game day on ESPN on Saturday morning, and then Saturday night, a big game, a honestly the biggest game in the time you or I have been here against the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, it's going to be a huge one, Michigan State creeping back into the rankings in the top 25 as well in the AP poll just to make things a bit more interesting. Picked up a big, big win against Iowa yesterday. Also a couple of big lacrosse games, and the Maryland women's basketball team has been rolling as, uh, lately as well. They're in talks to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. 15 straight wins, I think after like a win over Purdue earlier this week, yeah, they've been a blowout win as well. They're the favorites to win the Big Ten now. So let's get back to baseball. First off, let's go back to the weekend series in the midweek game against George Mason. Who is your Terp of the week? I got to go with Maxwell Costas. He has been absolutely sensational so far. He's really starting to see the ball well. After that Friday frustrating outing where he doesn't get to take the the bat off of his shoulders, he became really locked in on Saturday and on Tuesday as well with that long, long home run on Sunday to boot. Definitely. And for me personally, I'm going to go with Sean Burke. He was excellent on Sunday. I didn't get a chance to pick him last week because I went with Sean Fisher, but Burke in the rubber game of a series. So remember playing with a little bit more on the line here, went five and two thirds, four hits, no runs, three walks, eight Ks. The freshman from Massachusetts missed all of last season recovering from surgery, looked really, really solid. And if he's going to have to continue to do that, because we said at the beginning of this season, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday starting positions all wide open. So, now that we've done that, we will look forward to the weekend against Coastal Carolina. Who's your pick to click? Well, i got to go with the guy who was overshadowed a little bit by Maxwell Costas offensively these past couple games. It's been Randy Bednar, and he's been sensational offensively as well. 10 for 26 to start the season. He's gotten four extra base hits already, three of those doubles, and nine RBIs. That leads the club. I think he's going to have a really big weekend down there. All right, and personally, I'm going to take another freshman pitcher. I'm going to go with Nick Dean. I, like I think the Terps might have a one nothing series lead going in on Saturday. Obviously, I'm not Nostradamus. Can't make any definite predictions, but I think that if Fisher is confident and he goes out on the mound, he can get the win over Coastal Carolina Friday. Nick Dean has probably worked on a lot this week, trying to hit his spots, work on his pitches a little more. If he can have a little more confidence, the Terps will have a 2 nothing lead going into the third game of the series, and who knows? The Terps could uh, walk out with some big wins over Coastal Carolina. I think Rob Vaughn would like it exactly the way you 
just drew it up, Zach. So that will do it for episode 75 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. This weekend, the Terps will be down in Conway, South Carolina to take on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. First pitch on Friday scheduled for 4 o'clock with the Terps pregame show at 3.30. First pitch on Saturday scheduled for 2 o'clock, pregame at 1.30. And the final game of the series is scheduled for Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern, pregame show at noon 30. For my podcast partner and broadcast partner, Ben Curtis, I've been Zach Solon. Thank you so much for listening. Keep coming back every week for more episodes of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Be sure to check out our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at MDBaseballNet.